This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thanks for being with us in what was a rough weekend for Raider Nation, which continues to be a rough season yet again for Raider Nation out there. No one I feel worse for than the fans who are so passionate and love their team more than any other, I think, in sports. Mo Moten, Scott Branson, back with you. And Mo, we're going to jump in. We talked a lot about the offense in the first, but I want to devote a whole segment to this because when you look at this offense, we from the very get-go called out, and this isn't about getting credit, it's just it was well-known, it was obvious that the offensive line was going to struggle. Then we heard from Josh McDowell, you and I have made fun of it to a certain degree. We thought maybe the last couple of weeks, maybe they were proving us wrong. He wanted an eight-man rotation, said they had plenty of offensive linemen, plenty of depth, he said, during camp, right? Um, and then we see them go out against the Chargers, not play well first couple of weeks of the season. The last two weeks, they play some uh, good ball against the Chiefs a little bit, and then the Texans, of course, who are not a great team, they, they seem to put things together, and we saw some improvement there. And we thought, boy, some of these young players are, are like Theo Munford and, of course, Dylan Parham on the left side. We thought these guys might be proving us wrong. And then we saw what happened on Sunday in New Orleans, they struggled again, although I don't think they played as bad as everyone thinks they played. And I want to see if you agree with me on that. As far as the offensive line, I mean, watching the game back, I'm not going to lie to you, the offensive line was pretty bad to me. Uh, if you watch <laughs> Colt, Colt, can we be honest? Can we have an honest conversation about Colt Miller? Hey, hey and, we're in the zone of, of comfort <laughs> and, and honesty here. We talk, of, we talk honestly here on Silver and Black today, which is why some people don't like the show. Colin Miller is a really good offensive tackle, but he has games where he doesn't look so good. He's not a pro bowl or pro tackle because I remember that discussion came up mm-hmm. last, this past offseason, the past couple off seasons that, you know, Roquan, that they were saying, Roquan, they were saying that Colin Miller is a, you know, a pro bowl or a pro tackle. And I, and I paused for a minute. I said, he's a really good tackle. He's a BB plus tackle, just like Derek Carr is a BB plus quarterback. You know, they have, for the most part, they're pretty good. But when they're not good, especially when 
Colton Miller plays against the Chargers. <laughs> he has to go against Joey Bosa. Yeah. It's not good. He didn't have a good game uh, on Sunday against the Saints. As far as you know how I feel about the right tackle rotation, I, I just feel like the Raiders are mishandling that. I just, I just think they should just give the job to Mumford and, and let him run with it because, to me, the – you, you don't build chemistry by having guys in and out of the lineup, even though it's two guys switching back and forth. Now, Parham had a big penalty. Raiders had momentum at one point in the game. Parham set them back with a penalty. He's a rookie. He's learning on the job. Alex Barris, who I've mentioned a million times in this show, gave up a sack and some pressure. So I, if I were to grade the offensive line, I, you know, I would give it a D-. minus. I thought the offensive line struggled, and I think that was part of why Carr was skittish in the pocket. Now, I'm not excusing yeah. Carr. He had a bag. He had, he had a terrible game too, but the offensive line didn't do him any favors. But to your point, we talked about this in the offseason. Uh, the Raiders basically trusted their coaches staff to develop an offensive line that a lot of people on paper felt like needed some help, and they decided not to do that. And now you're they're paying for it. For a while, the Raiders' offensive line had overachieved, and it fell apart on Sunday. And that's what happens when you have an offensive line that isn't very good. Eventually it's going to regress back to the mean and they're going to be what they are going to be, which is a subpar unit. Yeah. And, and I think what, what I meant by, I didn't think it did as badly as everyone thought it would. You gave it a D minus. I might give it a D plus, I guess. Um, that's maybe splitting hairs, but, but I thought there were times when, when maybe Carr was skittish because they had done something uh, terrible on the play previous. And then he was spooked by it, right? He gets spooked by it. And we've seen that before in his career. And I think that's what's happened, but I want to throw this out at you Mo, since we're, since we're in the, the honesty bubble and we're letting it all hang out here on silver and black today uh, around this, this Raiders team this year and the disappointment we've seen is could I'm, I'm having a hard time believing that Josh McDaniels, and also Dave Ziegler went into this season actually believing that that offensive line had enough talent for this team to be a playoff run contention team. Uh, and if that's the case, then what were they holding back for? What were they deciding that, you know what, we're not, we're going to give money to these core guys, but we're not going to spend money on the offensive line. Um, I guess I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that it wouldn't be that they wouldn't be that clueless to understand that in the NFL, you have to win on both sides in the trenches. And so if that's the case, are they thinking about the future? And then maybe was this more of a transition year than they let on? No, I actually think that the coaches staff just had too much confidence in development. Sometimes when a new regime comes in, they look at the same players that the old regime had and said, well, our, they'll be better in our system. We'll mm. coach them up and they'll be at least average if we can get through the year with these players and then we'll get our own players in the following year. So I think, I don't think it was more of we're just going to wait till next year to fix the offensive line. I just think that the coach staff felt like we can, we can coach these guys up because it's not like the Raiders didn't have the money to go out and get help. We've been screaming. How many times have we mentioned Darrell Williams name on this show? Uh, <laughs> Nate Solder, um, you know, other guys, other free agent tackles that may still be available. The Raiders just weren't interested in them. I remember Tashawn Reed on The Athletic put out an article saying that the Raiders felt like the guys that they had were equal or better than the guys available on the free agent market. So the Raiders obviously felt like they can coach up the guys that they already had, and they didn't need the outside help. Well, it turns out, maybe wrong about that. Uh, yeah, I would think so. Um, but <laughs> it, it remains... Yeah, it, it's a head scratcher because you 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 give a guy an extension at quarterback, you give all that money to your core players. That indicates, as we talked about it, 
that you want to win now. And, and to your point, you invest in key areas and, and to think, and maybe that is the hubris here, right? Which is you think you're so good that you're going to take a marginal player and make him uh, a pro bowler, right? And that, that that's not going to happen. It didn't happen and it's blowing up in their face. They also did it on the defensive side. And we'll talk about that later, but now we'll bring up the conversation that'll get everybody riled up. And it's something that you and I have hinted at actually throughout the course of this year. And we both thought Derek Carr would have an excellent year. So far, we're both completely dead wrong. Okay. There's been spots, but overall it's been inconsistent. And from a 10 year veteran who just got an extension, it's, it's in, I mean, I can't believe that he's been playing as poorly as he's played. Um, and I said it the other night and even Murph from the fan perspective, kind of started to agree with me, which is it just might be time, Mo. It might be time if the Raiders, look, the Raiders have less than a 10% chance or something like that to make the playoffs this season, okay? Let's not even talk about playoffs anymore on the show because I just don't see it possible. Doesn't mean you can't see improvement and this season can't be turned in the right direction. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is let's not talk about playoffs. If this team doesn't make the playoffs um, and they continue on the trend they're on, meaning they maybe win five or six games, then you're talking about a, a top five to 10 pick, okay, in the NFL draft coming up in 2024, or three, excuse me. Um, then you start thinking about, hey, I can opt out of the Derek Carr contract and go get a new quarterback. Then you're starting over. I, I mentioned this yesterday uh, and on Sunday, and people were talking about, well, you just signed Devontae. Devontae Adams want to leave then. And, and what do you do then? So I can't actually believe that people are arguing with me that they should keep Derek Carr for the purpose of keeping a wide receiver. I know he's a great wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. Guy's amazing. But you don't win NFL championships building around a wide receiver. It doesn't happen. Okay? It doesn't happen. So you look at that. Is it perhaps, I mean, if we go on this trajectory and this team doesn't win more than six games, or seven games even, uh, do you think then that that is a realistic approach that maybe, you know what, it's time, you're going to have to strip things down, back down again because it didn't work out, and even though you signed some core guys, you're going to have to go out and think about the future, and it's time to say goodbye, and better for Derek Carr perhaps as well. Now, I wouldn't say strip things down, but what I will say is that if you have a top five draft pick, you're going to consider a quarterback depending on who's available. So if you have a shot at, at Bryce Young, and you think that he can elevate your team more than Derek Carr can because of his upside, you're going to take that quarterback if he's available. Now, I doubt Bryce Young is available if, let's say, number five. I, he could probably go number one. Mm-hmm. It's a possibility, depending on how things shake out. Now, we don't even know if he's going to come out yet, so that's the other thing. But I'm just saying that with a top-five pick, you're, you're open to a quarterback change. I know fans don't want to hear that, but it's the nature of the business. Now, back to the Devontae Adams point that you made. He understands that this is a business. Now, I'm sure that Derek Carr being in Las Vegas played into him wanting to play for the Raiders, right? But he's also said he grew up a Raiders fan. Let's remember that. So I'm sure if business happens, which it does in the NFL, and the Raiders decide to trade Derek Carr and he agrees to waive his no-trade clause, or remember he said he would only play for the Raiders and he would retire if it's not you know, in silver and black, if he decides to retire, if the Rays want to move on, I'm sure he would understand the nature of the business and go, well, I'm here. They, they signed me to a new deal. They just signed me to this lucrative extension. I'm here to play football. I My football career doesn't begin and end with Derek Carr. Right. You know, and that's so what, 
That's where I think people think he is, though, and and I just don't believe that. I I, I look at it and I say, you're crazy because, look, Devontae Adams, there's no question they're good friends, okay? Yeah. But I'm also going to say, I'm going to say things as the wide receiver just coming over to the Raiders with my quarterback who I know is embattled and that half the fan base is iffy on and the other half half of the fan base loves him, right? He's a polarizing guy. I'm going to come in and I'm going to say all the right things. I'm going to say, man, yeah, I, I'm here because of Derek. And yes, I want to play with him. If he wasn't a Raider, I don't know that I would have come here. You're going to say that. I'm not saying he's lying. I'm just saying you're going to say all the right things because you want to bolster your teammate. So this idea that if De- if, if Devontae Adams doesn't have Derek Carr, he's going to walk out and demand a trade. I mean, it's unrealistic. Yeah, like I said, his career is not tethered to Derek Carr. Him and Derek Carr will be friends while they're playing and after their careers are over, they could still be friends. He could still call and talk to Derek Carr. All he wants to after the football games. <laughs> he's not, he's not, is this not a situation where Derek Carr leaves? He's going to leave. I, I highly doubt that. But to, to, to the point though, to the question, if you are, if you do have a top draft pick, that is certainly on the table. The thing is the Raiders have a small window to make a decision on Derek Carr's contract because of that small window of having an out without having to be settled with a lot of uh, with any uh, dead cap owed to him, they have to make that decision before the draft. So it it, it comes down to after the season, where are we? Are we five and twelve? Are we six and eleven? And if we are five and twelve or six and eleven, do do we see a quarterback in this draft outside maybe the top two that can give us a higher ceiling than Derek Carr? You, once you answer that question, you make your decision and you move accordingly. Right, and if you look at this, this draft obviously has some very talented quarterbacks. We talk about three of them particularly on this show. But you look at the teams who need quarterbacks. If you look at draft order based on this week, Detroit, Houston, Carolina, Pittsburgh, then Jacksonville, and then the Raiders. The Raiders currently sit sixth. I think um, uh, they'll actually finish better than that and, and actually dip down on that list maybe towards 10. But if you look at those teams, Detroit needs a quarterback. Right, because they have golf, but they're going to eventually move on. Houston needs a quarterback. Carolina, we know, <laughs> needs a quarterback. Okay, uh, Pittsburgh, they have Kenny Pitt, but who knows if you can get somebody better, you might. Jacksonville's good at least for now, uh, and and then you have Tampa Bay right down there in the top ten, as well as New Orleans and Denver. They all need the next iteration of quarterback. It's a tough, tough year to need a quarterback, and then even if they finish, unless they finish in the top, I mean, top five. There's an opportunity there, but clearly Raider fans don't want that. But we look at the Derek Carr situation, Mo. Let's talk about on the field what we saw Sunday. My observation was, yes, when he was under pressure, which is not his fault, clearly he got skittish in the pocket. There were times when he could work his way out of the pressure, meaning the pocket collapses. There's an opening uh, to his right or to his left where he could move and use his legs to get out of the way and perhaps extend the play. He didn't do that. We've seen him do that. He did it better, a lot better last year where we saw him use his legs to do it. He seems to be back in 2020 mode where he just wasn't able to do that or doesn't want to do it, stays in the pocket, ends up taking more sacks, more pressure, or he dumps the ball off quickly uh, just as an outlet because he needs to. Yeah, so I think part of that is when you feel the pressure bearing down on you, Derek Carr is a human. So he understands when his offensive line is having a bad game and he just has to either get rid of the ball or throw it away. That play, you know, that that weighs on your psyche. That weighs on your mind when you understand that you're under duress on most dropbacks. So again, that's not a that's not an excuse to Derek Carr, but again, that's just the human nature of, of the football game. And I think 
once you I think it was Joey Bosa who said this. He said once you hit Derek Carr early and often, he's gonna he's gonna fall apart basically. And I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. there. But that's basically what he said. And a lot of Raider fans took umbrage with that and go, Oh, you calling Derek Carr soft. And it's not about calling a, a player soft. I think most quarterbacks are like this. If you get to them early, that clock starts to speed up in the head, and they think sometimes they'll anticipate pressure that's not there. I mean, I remember Jack Del Rio said this about Derek Carr years ago, that sometimes he anticipates pressure that doesn't exist. You remember Sam Darnold got made fun of for saying that he was seeing ghosts in the pocket one year, early in his career. And I would say he's not the only one. Players are not going to outright say that I'm seeing ghosts in the pocket. But they anticipate pressure when they're getting hit. And sometimes it's premature or it's not really what they think it is. So in that game Sunday, when Derek Carr knew he was under fire for most of it, he understood like, okay, I, you know, I'm not discombobulated, but I had to do something with this football. It may not be the best decision, but it's better than getting hit by Cameron Jordan and Omayada <laughs> and those guys on the front. So yeah, that play, that plays into it. The saints got to him and it turned out to be a bad game for him. No doubt. So, well, let me ask you this question as we go to the break here um, uh, on Silver and Black today. Um, at what point do you look at the Derek Carr situation? I am an under under no um, point of view here that says that they would do better with Stidham at quarterback. I'm not one of these fans <laughs> who who say instantly go to the backup. The back the backup quarterback is always the best guy in the world, right? Because you th- it's a different option. People want to go to it. But the way Derek Carr is playing, yes, his offensive line broke down for him this past week, but he's not been good either. So at what point do you start to think if you're the coach? Like you said, you got to change something, right? Um, I think he would be the last thing to change. But if he continues to play like he does, um, again, it's a question of confidence. If the coach doesn't have confidence that you're going to lead the team down the field to win offensively, then you pull them. Uh, do you think that we're getting closer to something like that? Or do you never see that happening with Derek Carr because of who he is and how he might react? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't think we're close to that. Braves fans are are going to cringe, but understand this. They gave Derek Carr a new contract. He has a no trade clause. If you if you're benching Derek Carr, basically you're saying we're going to draft a quarterback in April. <laughs> Yep. Because you're, you're not going to win as many games with Jared Stidham. I know some delusional fans want to believe that Jared Stidham will do a better job than Derek Carr because Jared Stidham knows Josh McDaniel's system. You know what Josh, you know what Jared Stidham doesn't have? Doesn't have Derek Carr's arm talent. Nope. <laughs> he does. He's not as good of a quarterback as Derek Carr. So even if he knows the system or not, not going to perform as well as Carr. So once you bench Carr, you're basically telling your team, wave the white flag. We're probably going to win four or five games. We're going to draft a new quarterback in the offseason. And we're going to start over at that position. Now, I think it happens if the Raiders get to the end of the season. They're nowhere close to the playoff picture. Let's say late December around Christmas. And they're nowhere near the playoff picture. And there's no hope for them to make the postseason. At that point, then you start to say, okay, let's go with Stidham. 
Our record is what it is. We struggled this year. We're going to go into the offseason with a new outlook at the quarterback spot. Mm-hmm. That's when I think it could happen. Weeks 16, 17, 18. It's not going to happen now because you're even though you're two and five and the playoffs look like a far distant hope right now, it's still the middle of the season. We haven't even hit Thanksgiving yet. They're not yep. going to turn to the backup at this point. Usually when a team, and I said this on Twitter on Monday, usually when a team has a performance like the Raiders had on Sunday against the Saints, the first thing they do, they make roster changes or they fire a position coach. The Lions just fired their DB coach, Arby Present, on Arby Pleasant on Monday. Guess what? The Raiders give up the second highest completion percentage to quarterbacks. They're behind, guess what team? The Detroit Lions, Detroit. who have an atrocious secondary. So yeah. the first thing that can happen for the Raiders is they fire their DB coach, they fire some position coach because an area, an area on the roster is underperforming. So that's the first thing that happens. And then if the offense continues to struggle after the Saints game, then you'll probably hear talk about Josh McDaniels giving up play calling dues to Mick Lombardi. Those things happen first before you hit the red button on your quarterback or fire your head coach. That's usually how it works out. Great segue, because when we come back, Ma, I want to talk a little bit about the defense. We'll talk about Josh McDaniels, too, and what he might need to do outside of the position coach. But I also want to talk to, I think, what we I think some of us maybe overestimated uh, and that was Patrick Graham. Patrick Graham's defense overall uh, has not been good. There's been a lack of, I think, uh, improvement in some areas. How much of that is Patrick Graham? So we'll talk about that when we come back here. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Just hit subscribe. Hit the auto download so you never miss a show. Mo and I will be back right after this message. <laughs> 